What is up, everyone? Welcome in to Inside the Hoosier Mind. It has been a long time since I've done an episode. Uh, I have since gotten out of the military, moved to another state, uh, finally gotten settled, and there has been a lot that's happened in the sports world, but not enough for me to cover that is at least entertaining for a solo show of just me. Um, this is going to be a special episode tonight, though. Uh, this is actually an episode that I did with uh, my two gentlemen that I do uh, a podcast with over on my sports network um, called Jawing and Falling. It was a great show. We covered a lot of different things. Um about the NFL with Colin Kaepernick coming back to potentially to the Raiders and getting a workout, uh, John Gruden's potential war path, uh, the Big Ten re-eliminating uh, their divisions, uh, the NIL deal uh, for college football, um, the uh, Art Rooney rule being expanded to quarterbacks, coaches, in the NFL, and then as uh, if you are the NFL commissioner, what do you do with Deshaun Watson um, it's a great episode. Amon, Joe, and I have a lot of fun. Um, please like, share, and subscribe. I appreciate it. I promise uh, I will come out with more episodes here soon, uh, especially as the sports world starts to heat up again as training camp and OTAs pop up. Uh, I will definitely go more in-depth about the teams. This year I will actually cover all of my predictions for the teams, who I think is going to win, where I think they're going to go, and I will actually have it finished and published before the season starts. Again, hope you all enjoy. Please like, share, and subscribe, and I will see you all later. Right. What's up, everyone? It's Wednesday night. It's a summertime. It's hot. At least where I'm at, it's raining. It's also going to be one of our last episodes with Amon for a few weeks. Amon is taking a sabbatical. He's tired of Joe and I's crap all the time and our inside jokes. So Amon said he needs a break. Um, so we're going to enjoy Amon while we got him. Um, but we are lucky. We got the whole crew tonight last time for, for a couple weeks anyway it's just for a few weeks and then we'll all be back in the middle of june right about the time the otas training camp everything like that kicks off so we'll we'll have more than enough time uh but gents how are y'all tonight i'm i'm doing all right uh i'm i'm happy to be here so uh thank you for covering for me last week last week was kind of a stressful week and didn't do very well going into this week but i'm back uh, thank you guys for holding down the floor, and uh, I'm ready to talk about a whole lot of different stuff with you gentlemen. All right, and Chris, what's up? I know you wanted to be on tonight. We're going to be talking a lot of college stuff here in a little bit. Um, <laughs> so, Chris, we always appreciate you watching. Chris is a really good dude. If anybody has never seen Loose Lugs and you want to learn about NASCAR, Chris is the dude to talk to. He's got a ton of NASCAR experience. He kind of said that I shouldn't really call myself somebody from Indiana, a.k.a. a Hoosier, because I don't know anything about racing, and that's like God's country of racing is in Indiana, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. I'm also not a Midwesterner because I don't like mayonnaise, ranch, or sour cream, so I'm, I can't be from the Midwest. I just I can't be. Um, anyway, we'll start, with, we'll start with a couple of the breaking news that broke out earlier. Um, first things first, obviously – uh, the Raiders are trying out Colin Kaepernick at quarterback. Um, it has been noted that Mark Davis, Al Davis's son, has said several times that he definitely believes that um, Colin Kaepernick should have a shot again at the NFL as starting quarterback. Kaepernick even came out and said that he he definitely wants the opportunity, even if he has to start out as a backup to work his way back in, but definitely feels like he's still a starting caliber quarterback and would not want to stay as a backup. Uh, so, Joe, I'm going to start with you on this one. Do you think this is going to be the final shot for Kaepernick? And 
do you think he takes this seriously? Because we've seen him do this a lot before where he gets the opportunity. He, he kind of makes just like a show for himself to get mm -hmm. kind of what I would consider like back into a little bit of relevancy, kind of makes an ass of himself. And then he goes back into, you know, the shadows. So do you think he actually takes this seriously? And do you think he makes the Raiders roster? I think he has to take it seriously. I think what you've seen with the last couple of tryouts, there was the, you know, Seattle's always been linked to him from the very beginning after he was, you know, released from the 49ers. It hasn't worked out there. He had a situation where he was going to go try out in Baltimore and then his uh, significant other at the time, I believe they're still together, maybe even married at this point. They talked about, excuse me, uh, she posted something kind of derogatory about the owner and, and all this stuff. And it, it just, it wasn't good. So again, the tryout ended up not working out because he switched at the last minute and all this stuff. I mean, right now we know the Raiders just gave a huge contract to Derek Carr, but you know what? We also know how quickly things can change right now. The other quarterbacks on the roster are Nick Mullins, Jared Stidham and Chase Garbers. So is there a chance with a new head coach with a system that, not quite sure works to his advantage. Is there a chance he sticks on? Maybe. I think, no, I mean, you're right, probably best cap is the backup. I mean, I don't even know if he's that. He might be the backup to the backup. He hasn't thrown an NFL pass in six seasons. I'm sorry. Like, that matters. I don't care who it is. I don't care. It, it It's a problem. Do I think he could get a, a training camp invite? Absolutely. They're 90-man rosters. Bring them in. You know, you don't want to have Carr overwork too much. He's going to work a lot with the first team with Adams and stuff. But bring Kaepernick in because the one thing that we've seen in the NFL is you need players. And you never know where you can find them. You find them from Division II schools. You find them undrafted. You find them in trades. You find them in free agency. So if this is a guy that you think can bring something to the team, then you at least have to bring him up and see. And with 90 man, he's going to be able to work with lower level guys, which is something you're going to be able to see if he stands above them. If he's at their level, his career is over. If he rises above them, then there's a chance. And then you move on to the next tier. Right now, Cap is a tier three player, and he has to work himself up to tier two to even make the team. It's true, Chris. Pride is not a backup. He's he's starting caliber, at least. At least. <laughs> Even though he's you know, a casual sports fan, he's he's still a starter. Um, Amon, do you feel the same way? Because, you know, like like Joe said, they they traded for Jarrett Stidham, actually, which was kind of mm -hmm. weird. Um, they also, like you said, have Nick Mullins, who Nick Mullins, you know, for a long time there, he did great in San Francisco with that system, especially when Jimmy G was hurt and they didn't really have a quarterback. Uh, he ended up actually coming in for the Browns and did also fairly decent for them. So he's a journeyman. Um, and then you have whoever the last guy was, Garrett something. Chase Garbers. Chase so Garbers, good, yeah. whatever that name is. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> so, you know, he, he's he got potential. Now, again, I don't understand why they got rid of Nathan Peterman. That was probably because John Gruden left. John Gruden said he was the GOAT. I 100% believe that. Um so yeah, do do you think the same thing that you know this is this is going to be Kaepernick's last shot, or do you think that because the Raiders are going to give him a chance, maybe they kind of open the door, maybe another team kind of sees what they like, and maybe they try to bring him in, like you know, uh, like Joe said, maybe on a ninety-man round, maybe somebody else brings him in, like hey, we need a strong backup, you're going to be our guy, go for it. I think it all depends on how he does in that tryout and then the training camp if he gets that invite because, you know, he hasn't had an offer in six seasons. And there's a reason for that, whether that's, you know, they don't want all the attention that comes with Kaepernick, whether it's the beliefs, what, what no matter what it was, he hasn't been in the NFL. And like Joe said, that's something you have to consider. It doesn't matter if it's Tom Brady. If he hasn't thrown a ball in six years, it is it's going to be hard to get back into the NFL flow of things. On the Raiders – to me, he at, at best, he is the backup. So for Cap, it's, this is your opportunity to show NFL guys that I can still play. Can he still play? Nobody really knows. If he does well in that tryout and then in training camp stands out, then I think it opens the door to more teams to you know offer him training camp invites or offer him tryouts and things like that. But if he's just another guy in camp, then it, I think that's the end of his career because he has to stand out now. With six years removed from his last season, you know, we're a long way removed from what he did in 2013 or 2012, 2013, when they went on those playoff runs with the Niners. We are it's, it's almost a decade past. So now you have to find a way to make a splash now in the NFL. Will he do it? 
I hope he does, but I don't know what's, what we should expect. Yeah, and kind of like you guys said, I – yeah, and kind of like Chris said, you know, he's a camp arm, there's talent there, but they don't want to deal with the publicity that comes with signing him. Like, like I've kind of said, I don't – I don't mind that he's he's doing what he feels is right as far as speaking up, taking a stand. I, I have no issues with that. I, I applaud him for you know being a big enough person that says, hey, I know I'm going to get a lot of crap for this. I know I'm going to get heat. I know the risks, but I'm still going to do it anyway. I applaud him for that 110%. Nothing against him. I think what gets a lot of people is they look at the statistics, and if you look at his last season, his 2016 season with the 49ers, and they even did a comparison to Eli Manning's 2017 stats with the Giants. So his last year with the 49ers, Kaepernick went 1 of 10, 59.2% completion, threw for over 2,200 yards, had 16 touchdowns, and four interceptions. Mm -hmm. The closest person that was equal to him in numbers as far as his final season was Brock Osweiler. And we all know where Brock is right now. Um and Eli's was he was two at nine. He had a sixty-two and a half percent completion, twenty-four hundred yards, fourteen touchdowns, and seven interceptions. So, again, to me, I've always been a big proprietor of I don't mind that he stands up for what he believes in. Again, I applaud him, but he he, he kind of has to make a choice. Do you want to be a martyr? Do you want to stand up for what you believe in, or do you want to play in the NFL? Or can you figure out how to balance both? And I think that's that's what he needs to do. Is he needs to figure out either a balance or he needs to pick one or the other because I, I truly think this is his last shot. Nobody else really cared in the last six years to even give him a shot. I don't even know why, you know, uh, Mark Davis is even doing it again. He likes him, but Mark, you had six years to do it. And you didn't do it. So my, my kind of biggest question is why now, why are you going to take a chance on a guy? He's what? 34 now. Uh, I think somewhere in that area. I'm, I'm not sure exactly. But yeah, yeah. I want to say 34, 35. Which isn't which isn't detrimental. We've seen quarterbacks play for longer, but this is a guy that you know he he wasn't exactly at his peak when he left. Now, albeit that could be a bad system because it was the Chip Kelly offense. It could be you know multitude of things because he pretty much went to crap after Jim left. Um, so to me, yeah, I I think this is this is his, is going to be his last shot because of his age, because of the potential you know publicity thing that he likes to do. I think it's going to be his last shot. And I think it will too, and I think there's there's a real because I've, I've over the years I've seen a comparison, and people keep bringing up this player is Mike Vick when he got out of prison. He went to Philadelphia with Andy Reid. Andy Reid is basically the island of misfit toys of co- he's the coach of that because he will bring in players who have personality problems, legal problems, stuff like that. He's been that guy for good or bad. He's been that guy, and I think it's unfair because Michael Vick. Obviously, different situation. One was a criminal, one was not. So that's, you know, set that aside. But the other thing was, is Michael Vick was, you could argue it, maybe the peak of his powers whenever he left the NFL. There was people, like, he was an MVP candidate. He was a $100 million quarterback back when that actually meant something. And he went away. And he was just like, listen, I want to change who I am as a person and come back and be the best football player and person I can be. And he, to his credit, has done that. You know, a lot of stuff with, dogfighting, ASPCA, all that stuff. Colin Kaepernick, like you said, Tony, and I'm sure you agree, Amon, is you you applaud what he's doing and what he's saying is right. Now, the message at times can get muddled with some of his actions and things he said, but like all in all, it is a good thing. The problem is in these past six years, it's always like, well, I don't have a job. Cool. But what are you doing to get that job? Because working out at Fields is great. Hire an agent who's on the phone every day. Hey, I want to come in. Give me a thing. And when it's it's time to gut up or shut up. And that's the one thing that we haven't seen for the most part from Colin Kaepernick when it comes to football. This is just football. Is when it's time to put on the pads, put on the helmet, and get to business. We just haven't seen it. Because like you alluded, alluded to, Tony, it's always something. Right before the tryout, right before this, it's always something. So I hope for his case, and in all honesty, the Raiders' case, I hope this isn't another instance where it's like, well, this blew up in our faces. Because then the Raiders are like, okay, like we're done. Like we're not going to do it. And like you said, last shot. Yeah. And and I think what also hurts him too, and again, I'm, I'm really surprised that 
again, somebody gave him a chance is did, did y'all happen to see his Netflix documentary that he did? I haven't. No. He basically compared the NFL to a slavery auction. Yeah, I, I saw that quote. Yeah. And it's like I I can see where he's coming from. I kind of get the overall idea. To me though, there's there's some hypocrisy in that because you're you're comparing the company that you want to go back and work for as slave owners, but you want to go back and work for them. Yeah. Like to me, it, it's again, I get I get working for people you, you hate. I did it for eight years. I, I, get it. I hate y'all. I cannot stand y'all. I get it. But you know. Whereas I had a government contract, I would go to jail if I didn't show up to work. He he has the freedom. He knew he knew whatever the hell he wants. He's a millionaire. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Like again, why like like to me, I guess the real question is is like what what is his ultimate end goal? Like, do you still want to be an athlete? Do you still want to be in the NFL? Or is it you or again, do you want to continue to use your platform to spread your message, which you've already made a name for yourself. You made a name for yourself from really, you know, twenty third well what, twenty twelve. He kind of took over to about 2016 with his last good year. So it's like you have three really solid years, and your name is out there. Like you've made statements. You have to work on your image a little bit as far as, you know, like, yes, I did this, but this is why I'm doing it. And like Joe said, your your message get muddled. Your message gets muddled, but you can go back and you can clean that up. Mm-hmm. So, again, to me, I just wonder what his, what his overall end goal is to me. But... Anyway, speaking of Raiders, um, it was also recently found out uh, that a court ruled with with John Gruden, if I remember right, yes, um, yes. that basically the, the court agrees that the NFL was quite particular in only releasing John's Gruden names and the whole scandal of email that is Washington and their emails to get John out of the NFL. Aman, I'll start with you. Do you believe this is the case, and could you see this potentially blowing up on the NFL? Because John did say he's going to get his revenge. Like he he's going to be back, and it's not going to be pretty when he does. That's one hundred percent true. I I believe it's one hundred percent true. We talk about Dan Snyder, or even you know the Robert Kraft incident. Every owner I think has some dirt, and they're tight knit community over there. We've talked about it on the show, and people have talked about it. They are a tight knit community. They don't want to let anyone go. I'm sure Jerry Jones has done some stuff. I'm sure everybody in there has done some stuff that they don't want getting out. And the NFL, they said, okay, who can we, you know, kind of throw all this onto and just slide away from? And they threw it on a John Gruden for better or for worse. And, you know, they, they call John Gruden Chucky. And Chucky's going to come back and get his revenge with the knife in his hand. And that's what he's doing. And if you're the court, you, you also know, again, the evidence has to be there. Um, I think it is going to blow up in the NFL's faces because – Every single owner, at least in my opinion, has something. I think every single owner probably has some kind of dirt that they're hiding up, that the NFL is hiding up, that they don't want to get out. And if John Gruden, again, part of that tight-knit community, if he is anywhere in those circles, he's going to leak everything he has, and the NFL is going to have to do a lot of, you know, do a lot of press to make sure that their image is uh, not, you know, completely under the ground. Yeah. Joe, what do you think? Because because I kind of agree. I th- I do think it was a little bit of targeting because you know they they talk about all these emails that Washington sent out. You know all these owners are interconnected. Like they they just took a vote to get rid of Dan Snyder. Like you yeah. you can't tell me that some of these emails didn't go through everybody's traffic. You can't tell me Roger Goodell doesn't know about these emails and how again he's very reactive. He's not very proactive. So do you kind of agree that? Uh, old Chucky Gruden is going to come back, like he said, with a knife. It's going to be, you know, child's play, like eight, and he's just going to go for blood. I I think that this is a case with no winners. Uh, no matter what ends up happening in the end, there's no winner because John Gruden still made sexist, misogynist, racist remarks and emails to uh, people at the net. This is when he was at ESPN uh, in Washington and with other people, possibly including his brother. It's it's really, really complicated because to me, this is almost like the hearings that we're having with uh, unidentified flying objects where everybody kind of knows that UFOs exist. We really don't know what UFOs are and the government really doesn't want to tell us what UFOs are. But now it's kind of like we have to at least give you a little bit of something. And I feel like the NFL here 
probably didn't leak these. A reporter got these from somebody in Washington at ESPN, informed the NFL, and the NFL was like, oh boy, now we need to do something with this. I've seen enough Law & Order SVU episodes to know how this goes. And it's just like, it's the matter of fact that John Gruden, what's his, again, you talked about endgame last time, Tony. What's his endgame? He's not getting another job in the NFL. Mark Davis was like his brother, gave him a $100 million contract. There is not a owner in the world, not even, not, and I say this no joking, not even Jerry Jones is, is crazy enough to offer John Gruden a contract. He's not because here's the thing. There are things you can get away with. You can be a terrible person. We've seen you know, athletes commit murder, be involved in manslaughter, abuse, all kinds of stuff. A lot of those guys have come back or cleaned up their images to some standard. Those emails, people will always remember that. People will always remember what he called the commissioner, what he called Michael Sam, what he said to this. Even if you don't remember them right now, as soon as somebody reads those emails, you'll be like, oh, oh, that's right. He did do that. And you can't escape that. So while I agree that the court was right not to throw out the NFL or, yeah, not to agree with the NFL because they're trying to get the lawsuit thrown out, I think John Gruden, like every other American, should have the right to a fair trial and go and maybe a jury trial. But here's the thing. If John Gruden loves football, the sanctity of football, the manliest sport out there, what does he think this does? This is pulling 10 Jenga blocks at one time and expecting the tower to stand up. That doesn't happen. If you open the floodgates, this is over. Mm -hmm. the, the court of public perception is gone because, like you said, whether it's Robert Kraft, Jerry Jones, whether we see shady business deals with Stan Kroenke in St. Louis and L.A., whether we see what the um, uh, the family in San Diego. The, oh, the uh, Spanos family. The Spanos family, you know, all their info. I mean, this could get dirty real quick. And, uh, again, we, we already know how the hot dogs are made. You don't need to give us a list of ingredients. We don't need to see the documentary about it. Just let us enjoy our hot dogs on 4th of July. Let us enjoy our football because if we have to sort through 10,000 emails and find out which owners and executives are racist, misogynist, sexist, all these things, it's going to be a really uncomfortable thing. So, again, I'm fine with him going through the legal process. I'm just not sure what his end game is here. It, it almost seems one of those like he, again, it's one of those if you're going to take me down, I'm going to take you down with me. Mm -hmm. Because again, he got exposed. You know, you you're never going to really be able to recover from that type of an image because mm -hmm. once you post something out on the internet, it's there forever. Yep. So it's like if I'm, you know, if I guess if if I was to try to think like John, well, if I can't do it, y'all can't do it either. So just take everybody down with me as I go. So I can but see it. it. it it's just so self-serving. Again, he he in the emails he talked about how like how football was losing its manliness and all this other stuff. And it's like, and here you are crying like a baby because you got called out on stuff. Mm -hmm. He wasn't set up. It wasn't a sting operation. These were emails. Yeah, it's it's funny. The people that usually you know hate other stuff or you know belittle other stuff is usually the thing that they hate or the thing that yep. they dislike or it because what i always found funny with people is whenever they say they hate something i'm like there's this really 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 tiny little line between love and hate because it's the exact same thing you just either really like it or you really don't it's the exact same thing you're just teetering on where you, which side you want to go to uh, Chris asked if there's a college in my heart. There was a few when some of these college uh, college app like vacancies were open, um, and I think there was talks of him maybe trying Liberty. What? Yeah, I think it was Liberty. Liberty. It, I mean, it makes sense. They they basically they're buying athletes. They've been doing it for years, and that's I mean a, a team no, a college like Liberty, that, but just that's yeah. only Texas A and M because they have a higher recruiting class than Alabama, sir. Gosh, okay. Joe. <laughs> Everybody else does it, but not, not look, they beat Bama. Okay, that's the problem. Is they beat Bama. But no, you're you're exactly right. I if there is a college, it's literally just to get their it's a small school that's gonna, you know, want to do it to try to get their get their name up there, get their publicity up there, everything like that. Sports guy, Jado, our Cincinnati fan. How are you tonight, sir? Appreciate you watching. Appreciate that. 
All right, so Amon and I kind of talked about this a little bit uh, last week because the Pac-12 introduced this, and now it seems like everybody is starting to follow suit. Uh, the Big Ten has decided that they are going to get rid of divisions as well. So we're going to have only um, the, high, the, yeah, the highest winning percentage of the you know, highest two teams face off for each other for the championship. Um, Amon, I'll start with you because we touched on this last week with, with the Pac-12 doing this. And since the Pac-12, the Big Ten, I believe the Big 12 and the ACC, literally everybody but the SEC yep. all has this like collegiate alliance against the SEC. <laughs> and do you think more, more conferences are going to kind of follow suit? And do you think that this is going to make college football a little bit more interesting, especially too, if, if and when they expand the playoffs, because who knows, you may have this championship, you know, championship game, and then they may face a third time if they don't face twice already in the regular season. Yeah, I think I think you'll see more conferences follow soon. It's because you're going to get some more premier matchups, right? We could see uh, Michigan, Michigan State in the Big Ten championship. We can see those types of matchups throughout all these types of conferences, and I think it it just makes a little bit more sense because now if you're uh, Michigan State, you have a great year, but you're not as good as Michigan. Well, you don't have a chance, even though you're you're better than any team out in the western side of the Big Ten. So it, it's it's been troublesome in that aspect. So I I do like the change. I think we talked about it last week that. With the Big 12, same kind or the Pac-12, rather, it's the same kind of thing. You and I, I don't think it affects it a lot either. You know, we saw the Pac-12 in the sense that the championships kind of lined up with the two best teams in that division. I think we'll kind of see something similar for the uh, next couple of uh, conferences as well. So I like the move, and I think it's going to be uh, make for some good football. All right, Joe, what do you think? And I'll I'll bring up the uh, I'll bring up the recent little picture that they have of. Uh, of the last few championship games and then what we would have gotten had they gone ahead and implemented this, you know, previously. So a lot of scarlet and gray in there. I'm liking it. There's a lot of green and white in there. And again, there's a lot of badgers. Anyway, (laughs) Joe, how do you feel about this as far as, you know, because I I think it's interesting and and it's funny how some of these don't really change a whole lot. Mm -hmm. But again, it's some of the, like, I know for a fact, I probably say a majority of us would have rather seen Michigan versus Ohio State part two yeah. rather yes. than Michigan versus Iowa. But that's just me. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's I think it's a, a step in the positive direction. What I am actually more focused on is the tiebreakers. Is that when you have three undefeated teams, what are the criteria for being the, the number one, number two, number three? And I have an idea. If and I'll, I'll go five deep here. The number one criteria, winning percentage of opponents. So if three teams are tied, let's just take three teams right here, 2021. Let's say Ohio State, Michigan, and Iowa all finish undefeated because they don't play each other. They're all undefeated. Of those three teams, whoever faced the toughest schedule from that year, they're number one. They get the top seed. And then you go to the number two. If there's a tie somehow between two teams or three teams and you go down, number two would be points against, not points for, points against because anybody can stack the score but you have to prevent teams from scoring points so your second tiebreaker to me should go to points allowed number three should be score differential that if by chance you go up the same amount of points then you can go to the offense because as much as we love offense defense is also a pretty big important part of the game so you go to just a little bit just a little bit to point differential number four this is where it can get kind of wonky, and and it is. It's pushing towards Super Leagues. You're absolutely right, Chris. I mean, that that's the thing that we don't want to talk about, but everybody knows is in the future. Oh, yeah. Number four is where it can get kind of wonky, and this is just my throwing it against the wall. Turnover differential. I'd like to – so if you're going fourth-level tiebreaker, let's get nuts. So go to turnover differential. So whatever the turnover differential is, that's – so if you – Plus 12, plus 10. Well, plus 12 gets it, you win. And the fifth and final one, it will never come down to this. It won't. It, it's kind of unfair, but it would be attendance. It would be home attendance by percent. Not total, because if you have something like the big house or the horseshoe that fits over 100,000 as opposed to other teams, but it would be percentage of seats taken. 
So if you're going to a fifth level tiebreaker, your home games, which you all have the same amount, you would go to percentage of seats filled. Again, never happen. It's totally unfair. But if we're doing it, let's do it. I could I could also see that for maybe not even percentage, but do like how the NFL did with the draft a few years ago when who was it? Oakland and San Francisco. If I remember right, had the like, same exact winning record, like same everything down yeah. to like turnover, all that, and they literally flipped a coin, Flip a coin. for who got it. And I could kind of see it. And <clears throat> I kind of agree. I don't know, because I was thinking about that. Like, what if there was, you know, three teams that potentially, you know, all went undefeated? I don't know if that would happen because kind of like Chris said, when they when they push the Super League, there's still these rivalries they're going to want to protect. Like mm-hmm. Michigan versus Ohio State is always going to be a game. It's always going to be a factor. Michigan versus Michigan State is always going to be a game. That's always going to be a factor. Mm-hmm. Um, those are probably the two biggest ones that probably out of the Big Ten as far as big-time rivalries are going to go. Michigan-Penn um, State's pretty big, too. Michigan-Penn State's a big one. Yeah, and, and the only reason I don't really consider that one is because Penn State is – they're they're good, mm-hmm. but they're not like consistent as far as like kind of upper echelon tier of good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I I think it would be cool. I think those are still going to happen. Um, but I don't know about three in the Big Ten. That would be that'd be crazy. Yeah, was Wisconsin and Minnesota? Oof, that'd be a, oof, that'd be so ugly. And it's sad because I remember, what was it, like two years ago, Minnesota was actually like a great football team. They were really yeah. good. Had a really like, good season. Great. Yeah. And it was just, and they fell off. And I remember watching it the first game last year, um, and their running back went crazy against Ohio mm-hmm. State. And then he got hurt. And it was like, well, that sucks. The kid's season's over. <laughs> yeah. But – yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I I kind of agree. The Pac-12 did is doing it. The Big Ten's going to do it. I think the Big 12 is going to do it. The ACC is probably going to do it next. Heck, honestly, I could even see the SEC doing it because I think I think it does make things more interesting. Because mm-hmm. you know, if if you look at each division, it's like okay, well, you kind of have your cupcake games. Like you know, take the Big Ten for example. You have your Rutgers. You have your IU. You have your Northwesterns. You just have these teams that are the bottom feeder teams, it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Ohio state has, has a cake, has a cakewalk schedule. You know, Wisconsin has a cupcake schedule because they'll get like seven wins right there just because of who they face in the division. So I -hmm. think it'll be interesting. Um, Like we said, it's, it's all to move towards super conferences. You know, they want the, they want the power five schools. They don't like, they probably not a big fan of somebody like Boise state coming out of, you know, the mountain Western conference coming out of you know nowhere again um even though i right. should <laughs> right yeah <laughs> um so we'll we'll stick with college um with the nil deals being in the news here lately you know do we think that the end game is obviously going to be the um be the super conferences or do you think that the nil is going to be doing it um or do you think it's it's going to be a positive thing in the long run because we've seen some coaches get a little upset about the NIL thing because now they can't not pay recruits to come to, you know, BFE Alabama, which, I mean, think about it. You're you're an L.A. kid. You grew up in the city all your life. You don't want to come to the middle of nowhere, Tuscaloosa, Alabama? What? No. 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 Um. Joe, I'll start with you. What, what do you think the end game is for the name, image, in the name, image, and likeness for college? Uh, like most things involving college athletics, it's a really complicated answer that nobody really has all the points to. The reason I say that is because NIL, for those who don't know, is name, image, and likeness. Basically, what that means is if Amon goes and does this cricket tour like he's doing. And all of a sudden, the Cricket League is like, we want to make you our announcer. We're going to pay you $50,000 a year. We're going to use your face. And every time on the radio, we're going to put your face on there. Say so that's an NIL deal. That's a name, image, and likeness. The problem that we're seeing right now is I'm not seeing too many boxes of cereal with name, image, and likeness of players. Are you guys? No. Basically, it's a way to get around the system that's always existed for top-tier colleges. And now the problem is the NCAA – went from 
not allowing it at all to allowing everything with no regulation, which is a good thing because the NCAA does a terrible job at regulation. But the bad thing is they're always going to want to regulate stuff. So next year you have Mark Emmert, who's going to step down as the, as the president of the NCAA. You're going to get a new president with all these NIL deals. So now you're almost going to have to like collectively bargain or at least ask this person in the interview process, what do you see as the future of this? And the, and the thing of it is, is we should just get rid of NIL deals. If a school wants to pay a player, if a booster wants to pay a player, just let it be open. Like, I'm sorry, NIL, NIL deals, this is like Al Capone going to jail for tax evasion. It's not the real crime. We know what the real crime is. So stop trying to cover it up. We know why you want him in prison and it's not tax evasion. We know these aren't real name, image, and likeness deals because you're not using their name, image, and likeness. So you might as well just set a cap. I came up with something a few years ago. Set a $2 million cap to recruit each class. And from that $2 million, you can pay your prospects coming in. It is a one-time sum. That's it. So if you want to recruit the best quarterback in the country and you want to pay him $100,000, there you go. And as soon as that $100,000 is accepted, they get it. It comes off your $2 million. You can't roll it over. You literally have $2 million per class to do it. You can use it from school funds. You can use it from booster funds. You can do it from whatever. And that's how you do it. You want a solution? There it is. And you can stop using the farce of name, image, and likeness because it's all going to fall down. Yeah, players are signing multi-years deal now because I believe the NCAA will grandfather current deal. Oh yeah, I I definitely agree. Um, Aman, how do you, how do you feel? Do you kind of think the you kind of feel the same way as far as you know how do you think they're going to move forward with it? Do you think that there should be something alternate, or do you think they should get rid of it just kind of altogether? I do think it's interesting to have that cap format for each team. Um, I have seen the certain players like you know the big time players Bryce Young, Caleb Williams be faces of different assets. I think Cash App has a deal with Bryce Young and things like that. So I do think there is some again it's in the minority of it, but there are some deals that are getting done like this. But I do think it gives more power to the players, which I think the whole you know bringing money into college sports was all about. Where now it's you know I think Lane Kiffin had the quote the other day where he said Bryce Young could have entered the transfer portal and said, Bama, I'll come back, but you have to give me X amount of money. Otherwise, I'll go somewhere else as, you know, someone who, you know, basically just was about to win the Heisman Trophy or won the Heisman Trophy. And I think that is an interesting bargaining chip that will continue to be used. I do think it is a slippery slope because we've never seen anything like it in college football, and it's being integrated at such a fast pace, it's hard to keep up with everything. So there are going to be some learning curves and some bumps in the road. But I do think NIL in the – you know, in the long term, as they continue to figure out more and more of it, will end up being a good thing because it gives more powers to the players, which I think is what we have been looking for. And it, while you can get paid by the university, it also gives you the opportunity to get paid by outside sources, cash app, um, you know, different companies like that, and tap in on your marketing potential while you're in college. Yeah, I, I agree. Sorry. sorry. The way you describe the Bryce Young situation is what just happened with the wide receiver Addison from Pitt. He wins the Blitnikoff last year. He doesn't want to stay at Pitt. He basically goes into the transfer portal yep. and says, whoever pays me the most, I'm going there. Now he's at USC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's funny because now that they they you know they say the name, image, and likeness, and and it's like they they were already doing this, like Joe said. The fact that you know, you know, think about it. So, so take some of the biggest school names that you can think of, you know, and we'll, we'll pick a couple from like each one. So for the SEC, we'll say Alabama and Georgia, right? Especially la- last few years, Alabama and Georgia, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, um, Oregon, USC, uh, Clemson and UNC Florida or Florida State, um, you know, uh, Texas and Oklahoma, like, like those schools have already built themselves up. It's like you're already going to get big attention because you're going to the University of Texas. You're going to Ohio State, wherever you go. And then especially, so say like the kids in Alabama. And this is why I think I don't really get why Nick is upset. Well, I do and I don't. Nick is upset because now schools can essentially pay people to come there instead of just like, oh, well, yeah, I want to win a championship, but I also kind of want to get paid and I also want to build my brand in good places. I mean, look at Texas as, as a whole as far as football goes. What better place to build your brand than the state that 
is obsessed with football through the high school le- high school level all the way to professional hell even probably elementary school level <laughs> like Texas loves football so it's like why not go to Texas A&M why not go to the University of Texas where you can make so much money off of your brand and doing that and again look at Bryce Young you went to the University of Alabama, and if I'm Nick Saban, okay, now I go out, if I go and recruit these players, what are you doing? You're using some of the names of players that, you, that you've had. You know, look at Alabama. Hey, we've had Bryce Young. We've had Derrick Henry. We've had Amari Cooper. We've had Jerry Judy. You know, we've had all of these players come to the University of Alabama. You could potentially be that next person if you come to my school. Look at Ohio State. You could be a Chris Olave. You could be a C.J. Stroud. You could be any of these guys and and come here and be successful. So I do kind of agree. I think there needs to be a cap. Um, And I think if they made a cap, kind of like the NFL as far as across the board, then I think it would make things a lot more even because you can't say, oh, well, Alabama gets more money because they win more championships. They have more publicity. They have all that. Nope. Everybody's on the same playing field who manages their money the best, just like in the NFL. And I think a cap would also be good because really what is kind of the biggest reason why they fought for the name image and likeness thing the most, because a, the the players could make money because think about it. When you get hurt, especially if you have a career ending injury, you're done. Like that is your whole, that was your whole entire life purpose. That was your whole entire job money, you know, security blanket was playing football. And if you get into a life ending or career ending injury, you're done. So you have to have something to be able to go off of. You have to be able to build your market. You have to be able to build your brand to at least be able to still make a living. Now, keep in mind, they can still go to school. Mm-hmm. Now, if they get hurt, they may not get their scholarship still because the school may say, eh, we don't have to pay anymore. Oh, your, your, your football scholarship's done because you can't play on our football team. Mm-hmm. No, um, you have a cap hit. I'm guaranteed X amount of money. Um, I'll take that money or you can put that into my tuition and everything's paid for and I'm still good to go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think kind of the part, like I talked about the $2 million cap and, and Chris brings it up perfectly. If you know, schools love NIL deals, it's just someone else paying for the recruits. I mm-hmm. think it is, it, it's in, it's all encompassing. If you do the, like, again, let's take the $2 million cap and you can give it out. You know, you're going to pay your left tackle $10,000. You still get your scholarship. You're still going to get a free education. You're still going to get all that. This is just a signing bonus to do it. You can still do NIL deals. I'm old enough to remember. I mean, um, I don't know if you remember this or not. Justin Blackman, you know, a first-round talented wide receiver yeah. who from Oklahoma State who got suspended for selling his jersey. You know, the whole Ohio State fiasco was them selling, you know, the, the gold jewelry and stuff for yeah. tattoos and all that. I mean, kids should be able to do that. It's your stuff. I don't know why you can't, as long as there's nothing nefarious going on. And that's what it should be. It should be like, hey, we're going to give you money to come here. Hey, Bryce Young, we're going to give you $50,000 to come to the University of Alabama because we think you can be that guy. Now, once you're here, if the guy who owns the local car dealership wants to pay you $1,000 to come on a, a Sunday afternoon and sign autographs, he's more than welcome to do that. Keep the receipts. Make sure we're doing this all on the up and up. The problem is, is they opened the floodgates like it was the wild, wild west, or what was it? The the um, the Hoosier was it the Hoosier or not the Hoosier rush, but uh, the Oklahoma where they opened up all the land and they basically told people go get your uh, oh, go get yeah, your. Yeah. Um, um, I can't think of it. It's, it's my history, but anyway. But you know what I'm talking about, Amin. Um, it's yeah. but you know basically like, hey, go take your claimed land. And we're not going to argue about it. I mean, people are killing each other over it because how could you prove anything different? That's basically what NIL is right now. So you do need a way to kind of encompass it all, but it, it's just going to be a mess. Yeah, I I 100% agree. Okay, so we'll move back into the NFL. Um, so obviously the NFL extended the Rooney Rule uh, requirement to quarterback coaches as well to hopefully incorporate more minorities into some of these positions. Um, especially the quarterback position, which for the longest time, you know, there was a racist stereotype of, you know, African-Americans can't play quarterback type thing. Um, you know, Aman, I'll start with you. Do you think this actually fixes anything or do you think the, it kind of stays the way it is? Do you think it kind of, they do like what the giants did? Like, Oh, we'll, we'll get our token person to interview. And then, We've already got our other person in mind. We just have to interview you as a formality type thing. Do you think they? Do you think this is going to be kind of the same way, or do you think this is going to be something that they're like, okay, well, we did it for this, but we still want our head coach to be this person? 
I I'm not sure because I can see it happening in both ways where they say, okay, we can just do you know the assistant coach, or they could do the same thing where they're like, okay, well, we just you know here's our interview, and then here's the guy we actually want, and that's the whole issue that you run in. I think it's great that they're taking initiative, the NFL, to try to at least create opportunities for uh, you know these minority head coaches or these minority coaches to get opportunities to get into the quarterback room, the head coaching room, you know, all levels of the NFL coaching staff. But the question is going to be, how many of these interviews are serious? You can't control what a serious interview is. There's just no way you can do it. So, um, you know, I think teams will be even more careful now because of the whole Brian Flores situation and, you know, that whole uh, sham being exposed. They're going to try to hold their receivers a little bit closer, hold their cards a little bit closer to their hearts. But I'm not sure if this is going to change a whole lot in the NFL. Yeah. Joe, what do you, what about you? How do you, how do you feel again? Like Amon said, they're, they're trying, they are trying to make the changes, but do you think that, do you think it's enough to actually stick? I hate this. I hate this. And the reason I hate this is not because I don't want diversity in coaching ranks. I absolutely want diversity in coaching ranks. What this does is this shows what the NFL as a whole thinks of defensive coaches and thinks of the defensive side of the ball. It is a second-class citizen of NFL personnel because we're not giving it to the defensive line coach or the linebackers coach or the safeties coach. We're giving it to the quarterbacks coach because we saw Kevin O'Connell, who never called plays, get the job in Minnesota. Because we saw uh, Zach Taylor from Cincinnati – you'll get hired and never call plays. So what they're seeing is they're seeing the pipeline of coaches, of young white coaches going into the coaching ranks and saying, okay, we see where the pipeline is. Now we need to go and put some more different candidates in there, which is fine in theory. But the problem is where has – like you do it this year. Where's the base? Who was the next black quarterback coach that was in the pipeline, a young guy who was coming up – like? There's not one. I mean, I mean, the what? The best one I can think of is Pep Hamilton, and Pep Ham- Hamilton was a name ten years ago that people loved in in Indianapolis and stuff. And he's still around the league and does a really good job and has different you know titles. But like, all you're doing is saying, hey, we've seen enough of the Zach Taylors and the Kevin O'Connells and all these guys getting the jobs. So now we need you to take a look at other ones. But you're not giving it to the defensive side of the ball because, as we know, quarterbacks rule. So it's really frustrating to see this because I don't know if we have qualified candidates ready to step into those roles because they're either offensive coordinators, which there are a few like Byron Leftwich and stuff, or a lot of them are on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but if you look at the percentage of minority coaches they're mostly on the defensive side of the ball, I would tend to guess. That's usually the way it is. And it's really frustrating where it's like, hey, look at this good thing we're doing. And it's like, yeah, but again, like the NIL stuff, you're opening a floodgate with no real recourse as to what happens. Yeah, and it and it does kind of suck because I, I feel like when you when you exclude it to just like the, the two positions of like head coach or quarterback yeah. coach – it kind of defeats the purpose because look at Indianapolis. They hired Reggie Wayne as their wide receivers coach. Mm-hmm. Like oh, that's, that's a significant deal. Like Reggie Wayne now has his foot in the door. Who knows? Reggie Wayne could do a lot with wide receivers. He could move up into an OC. He could potentially move up into a head coaching position. Like, like I don't see why they wouldn't just expand it as a whole. Now I could see the downside if they expand it as a whole, because again, they're like, well, as long as we have at least, you know, one person of color, we have one minority. We're, we're set. We're good to go. It's like eh, that's not exactly what they what they would want. So I feel like what the NFL needs to do is they they need to offer incentives, but they also need to say like, hey, we're going to we're going to take our time figuring this out. This isn't one of those we're sweeping it under the rug. We're trying to come up with the best possible solution to fix this. We're coming up with the best possible solution to figure out what we need to do to best incorporate and encompass everyone. So that way we don't have a Brian Flores. We don't have a giant situation where we already know our guy we're hiring. We already have him. You're just a formality. We don't really need you, nor do we want you to be on the team. So I I think it needs to be expanded, like Joe said it. And, and I feel bad for defense, especially over years, because it's a very offensive-driven league now. Like, we – like, I don't know how many – and, I mean, I can't really say much because I didn't really grow up watching Dan Marino. He was retired by the time I was a twinkle. Um, I know that Before I was a thought, so, you know. Literally. <laughs> um, you know, the fact, that, the fact that Dan Marino threw for 5,000 yards during his time, the yeah. 80s and the 90s, 
like when defense was defense. They could hold the receiver all the way down the field, you know. <laughs> hold the receiver, and you still have a man throwing for 5,000 passing yards in a season. Whereas now it's like, you know, defense can't really do that. And, you know, if you throw like 4,000 yards, whoo, oh, buddy, you're throwing 4,000 yards. What the hell? No. What is this? It, it, it's frustrating because, like you said, I mean, and, and what's the percentage? What, 25% of uh, open coaching positions need to uh, be interviewed, you know, interview minority candidates? Well, how many positions are actually open? Like, it, it's – and, and like, some – and this is the thing. Staffs are not all the same. Bill Belichick has a really small staff compared to other teams. Some teams will have 20 coaches where he might only have nine. And even then, it's a bunch of assistants and stuff. So, like, it, it, it's really, really frustrating. Again, I like the sentiment. I hate the implementation. Yeah, I agree. So we'll do our last NFL topic and our kind of last one for the night. Um, we're going to do a hypothetical. So you gentlemen are both the NFL commissioner, or one of you can be the NFL commissioner, retire, and then hand it off to another dude. You know, you can be like Tom Brady, be the commissioner for like five minutes and then retire and then come back and then retire. Again. Um, uh, Joe, I'll start with you. If you're the NFL commissioner, what do you do with the Deshaun Watson case? Because a couple couple people have come out. A couple of those women came out, basically said that they feel that it's a insult from the NFL because all this is still going on. Cleveland traded for him, and then essentially it's like he got rewarded because he got a massive contract and all of it guaranteed. But again that's in the court of public opinion. He has had one legal trial to where he was, you know, found basically not guilty, but there's still the civil suits. What do you do if you're the NFL commissioner? Cause we've kind of talked about this. A lot of people say at minimum, you start at eight games and you either move up or down. You know, we've kind of seen a history of, of other cases where, you know, it's an entire year. It's an indefinitely, Oh, Calvin Ridley bet on himself and he's out for an entire year. Like that's kind of screwed up. We've seen Ezekiel Elliott, you know, was charged, but then the charges were dropped and he still got six games. So Joe, what do you do if you're the commissioner with Deshaun Watson? Um, this might be the most complicated question I've ever had to answer because so little is known and the things that we know don't look good. We know last year, before all this happened, that Deshaun Watson did not want to play with the Houston Texans. Before we knew anything, we knew that he did not want to be in Houston anymore. He was like, I want to get traded. I'm going to stay away from training camp and all this. During that time is when this news comes out. It seems like it's all come out together, but there actually was a time where he was literally just like, I just don't want to play in Houston. Get rid of me. And it was kind of like, okay, who's going to trade for him? And then this came out and it was like, oh, now this makes it complicated. And he was never put on the commissioner's exempt list. He was never activated by Houston. Houston said, we want you to play. He said, I'm not going to play. And then when all the allegations and stuff came out, he was like, I'm not playing. And they're like, yeah, you're not playing. We're not putting you out there. So the complicated part of this is, well, there's a lot of complicated parts, is number one, he hasn't played in a year. But that was as much a self-exile as it was kicking to the side. He was like, I'm not playing for you. And they were like, cool. Like it kind of did a 180 where they were fine with that. So you don't have a precedent of like a Ray Rice where he was suspended once the league screwed up and tried to suspend him again. This was a self-imposed exile allowed by the team. So he hasn't missed any time in regards to the league. The second issue is what Cleveland did. If you want to trade for him, that's fine. That is your right as a team. If you want to give him $230 million guaranteed, that's your right as a team. But the way that they staggered the salary is the same thing that the Patriots did when Tom Brady was suspended the first four games. They basically re they basically structured the deal that even if he was suspended for the year, he was only going to lose about a million dollars because of the bonuses and the way things are paid out. So the league has to take a real hard look at that and say, okay, you didn't break the rules, but you know what you did. It's kind of like when Washington and Dallas were fined and lost draft picks because they went over the salary cap that didn't exist that year because there was no collective bargaining agreement. Like, they didn't break any rules, but they got punished like they did. Again, 
a couple women spoke out. I think it was on HBO Sports, maybe with Brian yeah. Gumble or something. I think they spoke on. Um, sorry if I got that wrong, but if I'm Roger Goodell, I can't remember the show. Yeah, if I'm Roger Goodell, this is the most important decision I've ever made. This is more important than Spygate. This is more important than Deflategate. This is more important than Ray Rice, because this will set the standard for the way punishment is not only doled out but perceived by the public. There's a lot of support for Deshaun Watson in certain communities because he's never been charged. In 2022, we should learn just because you're not charged doesn't mean something didn't happen. He put himself in positions of power and possibly abused it with multiple women. But we don't know. But we know the NFL likes to punish people based on perception. We know that. For good or bad, we know it. If I'm Roger Goodell, I sit down with Deshaun, I sit down with the owners of the Browns, and I say, listen, I'm going to spend, suspend you conditionally for 12 games. Conditionally means you are going to miss a minimum of 12 games. If there are any new evidence that comes out, if there are any issues during this 12-game suspension, I reserve the right to suspend you indefinitely. I'm going to find you, but I'm not going to find you this year. I'm going to find you next year. You will lose game checks from next year for what you, Cleveland, did with the salary cap shenanigans. I would also dock Cleveland a draft pick, not a first-round pick. That's punitive. I would dock them a fifth-round pick. You know what you did with the salary cap. I let it go with Brady. I shouldn't have. That was what they did. That was a four-game suspension. You did this for the year. You were hoping that he got suspended this year. Well, he is going to get suspended this year, but you're going to pay for it next year. I, I think these are steps that need to be taken. I think he needs to come down um, strong. I think he needs to make a statement. And I think that Deshaun Watson, whether he did anything criminally or not, just – putting himself in the NFL in a bad position on top of everything else is something that Goodell has supposedly taken very seriously. The integrity of the game as we've heard multiple times, and he needs to really stand behind it on this. Sorry to go so long. That's okay. Um, Amon, what about you? Do you think, do you think you would do the same thing as far as, you know, being the commissioner, you know, potentially setting us up, you know, do you punish, if anything does come out of it, do you still punish Deshaun? Do you punish Cleveland as well for, for basically giving up everything for him, re-signing him to a major deal, and then, you know, how, depending on how they structure it, you know, how they pay him, do do you take away picks? You know, what do you do if you're the commissioner? Yeah, I think the conditional uh, part of the suspension is perfect because you have to set down, okay, this is what you're going to be, whether that's six games, eight games, 12 games, one year, however long you want it to be, there's got to be a base. And then whatever comes out, because he's already admitted that he has had sexual activity with at least three of the 22 plaintiffs. He uh, claims that it was consensual, but, you know, this is a big far cry from what it was before where he never had it. So as further we go in, the more things are going to unfold. So I don't want to put one statement out there, say, okay, six games. And then a couple weeks later comes out that X, Y, and Z happened and you have to go in back fire. So the conditional part has to be in place. I also think that, we don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson either, right? There's just a lot that we don't know, as Joe as Joe pointed out. So, yes, you have to go to Cleveland and say, look, you didn't do anything wrong per se. The rules are not there where you can't do this, but th you know what you were trying to do. You know what you were hoping happened. And so here, you know, fifth round, fourth round, sixth, anywhere that, you know, third day, fourth day type of pick, we're taking one away. Be careful because this is going to be a long-term suspension. And then the we talked about the court of public opinion with the whole John Gruden situation. It's going to be the same thing here with Deshaun Watson because depending on how you deal with it, you are either going to – there's it's, it feels like a lose-lose situation, but you have to make sure that you don't just let him off with a slap on the wrist. Again, whether that's six games, eight games, 12 games a year, however long you want to do it, you have to sit down and think real long and hard about it. Make sure it's conditional and really think this one out. Because if you get this one wrong, we, Ray Rice was hard to come back from. This one is going to be impossible to come back from. Yeah. No, I agree. And I I think Goodell knows that too. 
because it, it's very apparent he's not a very popular, he is not a well-liked commissioner. He hasn't been for years. He's not been good. There's been a lot of criticism on him for that. Um, I kind of agree with you guys. I would definitely sit down with him, Cleveland, be like, look, this is what y'all did, you know. And real quick, I'll ask you guys and just give me give me a yes or no and maybe a short reason. Joe, if you're the commissioner, do you punish the Texans as well? Because they're like, oh, well, we, we don't have him anymore. This isn't this isn't a nuts problem. We traded him away to get rid of him. Do you punish the Texans? Yes or no? No. No, they did everything right. They kept him away. They didn't pay him. Uh, they traded him to a team. They stayed within the relegation of the trade laws. Like, they didn't do anything wrong. Okay. Amon, what about you? Do you punish the Texans or no? I'm on the same page. No, you know, whenever the allegations came out, they said, no, we don't even want you to come back and play. They traded him. They moved on, and they've done everything the right way. Okay. Yeah. No, I agree. I just wanted I just wanted to see if, uh, if Houston would potentially get punished as well. Yeah, I think – I think the fact that Cleveland did it, and again, I get why Cleveland did it. They they feel that they're in contention, but at the same time, you knew that you weren't going to have him for a while. Like, yeah, you have the roster, you have the potential, but you're not getting him for at minimum half a year. Like, at minimum, you know, the six-game thing. Yeah. So it's like, why, why do it? And then again, why sign him to that big contract? If I'm Cleveland would say, hey, we're going to trade for you. We will sign you to a contract once all of this is blown over. Because think about it, too. If you're Cleveland, your cap's screwed because you paid $230 million for him, guaranteed. Like you, like There's no way you're going to get out of that. Unless, again, if Roger Goodell, if you're the commissioner, just says, all right, you don't have to owe you that money. You're fine. You know, wipe that off your books. I, I really – I know we're finishing up here. I want to answer Damien's question here real quick. It says, uh, question, say they do suspend him and he comes back from the suspension. Do you all see any backlash happening to the NFL and the Browns, especially since we are in this Me Too era? Um, yes. And I can answer this unequivocally, yes, because there are still people who yell at Michael Vick, dog killer. He served time in federal prison. He paid millions of dollars in fines. He has donated time and money to the ASPCA and has had no issue since. He said he made a mistake. He grew. He learned. And some people will still, to the day he dies, there will be people who cheer him at his death because of what he did to those dogs. So, yes, there will always be backlash against Deshaun Watson, against Cleveland. There will be people who will boo Deshaun Watson the first time he steps on the field in Cleveland. There will be people who will cheer him. And the cheers will probably be louder than the boos. But there will always be people who are uncomfortable with it, which is the one thing the NFL has suffered from in the last 10 years especially, is the alienation of female fans. As the base of women sports fans grows, the NFL has done multiple things to try and push them away and make it feel dirty to enjoy watching football. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's one of those, I've always felt this personally, you either love me or you hate me. And I feel like it's the same way for Deshaun. Like, like you said, I actually watched um, the NFL coverage of uh, Michael Vick, a football life. And yeah, mm -hmm. they're like that, that is forever and always going to be in his thing is the dog mm -hmm. fighting thing. It'll be the same for Deshaun. It, think about it even for Ben Roethlisberger. You know, yeah. he's sexually assaulted somebody. Even Kobe got that for a long time, even mm -hmm. even after he died. Same with uh, Ray Lewis. I mean, hell, Ray Lewis was in court for murder at one point. Yeah, like it, like you said, it, it's always going to happen, and it it sucks for both because again, you're you're basically saying yes, that yes, this happens. However, you can still make a career now. On the flip side, I will say Michael Vick, Ray Lewis, they at least learned from it. Ben, I, I say Ben, just stay quiet because I didn't really say Ben do anything different. But at least like Ray Lewis, at least, you know, Michael Vick, they, they've done something to become outstanding citizens. They've given back to their communities. They've tried to right their wrongs. Whereas if I'm Deshaun, I don't know how you do that. Because yeah. if, if I'm a woman, I, I don't want you anywhere near anything yeah. that has to do with that cool you can publicly say you support it you can donate money cool stay away stay away don't come stay to a women's shelter don't come to it yeah it's way different way yeah. Yeah, absolutely way way different well gentlemen it has been a great show uh thank you all for joining me it's been a blast as always thank you to all the viewers we've had a lot of viewers tonight and it is greatly appreciated thank you all if this is your first time ever watching 
Please like, share, and subscribe. We are on every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central, and 5 p.m. Pacific. We always have great topics. We always have a great show. We have great debates with each other. Um, even though nine times out of ten, Joe is usually wrong, but you know that's not. <laughs> um, but we always have a great time on the show. We really do love Joe. Joe's not wrong all the time, just eighty percent. So it's fine. <laughs> um, but thank you all again. Please like, share, subscribe. There's always great shows on ASAP. Um, again, Chris Chris Auburn does uh, loose lugs. If you love NASCAR, he's the he's the guy to watch. Uh, ASAP does have a morning show. They cover a lot of the news uh, in the morning. They cover a lot of the NBA playoffs. Um, we have an afternoon show as well. There's also Unscripted. Unscripted comes on Tuesdays and Thursday nights as well as Saturdays. We have shows all the time, all sorts of topics, everything like that. If you're ever interested in potentially coming on to the sh- coming on to the shows as an analyst, anything like that, please send us a message. Please let one of us know. We will more than happily talk with you. We'll work with you, everything like that. Uh, if you ever want to sponsor, again, by all means, we are 100% for it. Um, again, thank you to Joe and Amon. Amon, enjoy your trip of being a true sports professional for the next few weeks. We will miss you. If you're able to hop on, please do. But if not, we will miss you. We will keep you in our thoughts. And we will see you We will see you next month, good sir. So have fun and good luck, man. Bon voyage. All right, everybody. As well, this has been another episode of Jawing and Balling. And Joe and I will see you all next week.